Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. going on guys welcome back to the movement pt coffee cast my name's dalton and with me as always is my beautifully bearded friend william william how are we doing today well you know we're uh we're trying to kick the new year off right eh, dalton oh my god man <laughs> no we're coming into 2019 it's supposed to be like new year new you be more organized be more ready and here we are about 45 minutes late to our podcast <laughs> uh, it's so funny because we just talked about this yesterday and and kind of talking about it on our page where it's like, you know, you're going to have these ups and downs, like with like technical stuff. And then we immediately have so much trouble. I know. I know. But you know what? We, we persevered. We, we hung on. And here we are um, with our first right. episode of 2019, which is pretty crazy. Um, so first off, Will, let's talk a little bit about what coffee you're drinking, because I think we just need to talk about the first cup we have on the podcast, 2019. So what well, on today? I, I actually literally don't have a clue what's in my cup right now. I just I like grabbed it. whatever uh, my dad had. And it's pretty good. It's smooth. So, you know, you can't complain. As long what as about it's, you? As long as it's smooth. Um, I'm drinking a blend that I got from an gr- Italian grocery store next to my house called Angelo's. They make their own roast. Shout out to Angelo's. Pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It's a nice way to start off 2019 on the podcast. Um, so I'm excited. We have, uh, uh, the interview we have today is like a, is a different interview. We've never really done this style. So we, um, we have a guest named Lindsay Sprout. She, we met her through one of our classmates. Um, his name's Kia. He was doing a, he was working at a clinic in Cambridge and Lindsay was there doing her placement as a physio assistant. And she has a pretty, um, interesting story so we're going to introduce Lindsay and bring her on the show and let her talk a little bit about um, her story. So Lindsay, welcome to the PT Coffee Cast. Thank you, guys. Good to be here. Are you drinking coffee? I am. I have my Starbucks dark roast. Ooh, nice. Can't go wrong. We've been known to uh, dabble in the Starbucks uh, once in a while. Yeah. Well, we ha- okay, we might as well just ask right off the top since we're talking about coffee. So how do you go about brewing your coffee then? I just have a Keurig machine. It's nice okay. Do it, but I do it strong, and it has to be black. Okay. Okay. I like it. Strong. Strong. I like it. <laughs> Lindsay, why don't you just kind of start off and just introduce yourself, um, give a little bit of information on who you are, and then we can we can maybe jump into uh, your story. Okay. So my name's Lindsay Sprout. I am 30 years old. I um, was in a serious head-on collision about three years ago, November 3rd, 2016. I was, before that, I was working full-time as an accountant and studying for my CPA designation as well. So that was quite hectic. I didn't have much of a social life or a life at all. (laughs) Um, But it was one night I was coming home from work. I was um, studying with a bunch of friends at or at work, sorry, and I left about 8.30, and it was on the way home that I was hit head-on. 
I have no recollection of the accident at all, except for turning right onto the road that it happened on, and then waking to waking up two weeks later in medically induced coma with the breathing thing on my face. So it was quite crazy, and freaking out, being like, "Where in the world am I?" Yeah, like let's maybe start. Let's like maybe start there. Like I. That's that's crazy to obviously experience that. What was it like when you like first woke up from that and you're just like what was going through your mind like at that time? I was just freaking out because I had I didn't know what in the world was going on. Like I said, literally the last thing I remember was turning onto the road and leaving work. So right. having and especially having the mask on my face where I couldn't even breathe or talk well, I, I mean it was breathing for me, but I couldn't talk or anything, so that was really scary. But my family told me that the doctor gave me like a whiteboard and they gave me a marker and so that was the way that I communicated with everybody. And the first thing that I wrote was gotta go CPA. <laughs> so that was the first thing on my mind when I woke up after all of that is that I had to go to work and I had to write my CPA because I was actually supposed to write exam on the friday and the accident happened on tuesday oh wow wow yeah so it's pretty crazy so did it really just feel like you jumped in time when you woke up yeah it was kind of like what I, I didn't know what was going on literally uh it was kind of like a bad dream i woke up and it was like okay just wake up from the stream wake up from the stream and it wasn't happening when, when did like it settle in where you kind of like um, realized kind of what was going on? Uh, my family came in and when I woke up, I still remember waking up and like I can picture everybody in the room where they were standing and everything. And they were just trying to calm me down and say, it's okay, you're okay. They told me my car was fine, that it just got a minor um, bumper problem because <laughs> I was worried about my car. <laughs> <laughs> calm me down and tell me that everything's okay it's okay like the doctors are taking care of you like don't worry about it and I guess that must have worked okay <laughs> so so then obviously <clears throat> I mean we talked a little bit before you obviously had a long list of um, injuries from from the accident so maybe give like our listeners a little bit of insight into like what you experienced um, injury wise with the with the accident okay so I had a punctured lung, so I guess they, the paramedics put that right on scene and tried to inflate it. Uh, my intestines and stomach and spleen all came up, so they had to put everything back down, so I have a nice scar on my stomach. My tibia was broken and punctured through the skin. My fibula was broken on the right side. My calcaneus was broken. Um, my medial malleolus was broken, so I have a rod going down on my right leg from my knee all the way down. My left femur was broken, and then I have a bunch of pelvic, uh, I don't know, it, it, on the x-rays it looks really wonky. And I broke my arm, I had a neck brace on my neck because I had my jaw was dislocated, and I had a few vertebrae, I guess, that were fractured. I had, I think it was five ribs that were broken. And it was a lot. I was looking wow. for this initially, and me and my ex, my ex-boyfriend were on Google going, okay, what does this word mean? 
anatomy. Yeah, you got a little anatomy <laughs> lesson right, right off the hop. There's 26 things of injuries that I had. So. Wow. That must have been so overwhelming. Very, yes. Especially when you don't really know, like they're probably feeding you all this information, like, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. And you're kind of just like. <sighs> yeah, going, this is things that you see in movies or read in books, not, or you see on the news and you're like, wow, that's, that really sucks for that family or that person. And then when it's you, it's totally different. <laughs> oh, man. So what were they telling you about, like, you know, the steps going forward at that point. Oh, we had a little crash. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, what were they, were they telling you about your prognosis and, and kind of what to expect going forward at that point? So they told me that I not to think that I was probably not going to be able to walk or if I was, that I would have to have um, like a cane or a walker to assist me. And, um, what else did they say? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to run. I wouldn't be able to walk. They weren't sure because I also had a traumatic brain injury. So that was another concern that they had because they said to my family to be prepared when I woke up or even as I was progressing that my personality could be different and I could get angry a lot or like all the things that go on in your frontal lobe. <laughs> That was a big concern as well for them. Um, that was when I was really getting, I was really upset because I was not, I was not ready for that at all. I was like, I just want my old life back. That was the worst part of it all. Yeah. How in the world, like, what did I do to deserve this? Was my biggest thing. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, I've never experienced something like that, obviously, but I feel that probably goes through a lot of people's heads when, when something so traumatic happens. What were, what were some ways that, like, you got through that, um, that, those thoughts, you know, like, you're basically sitting there, like, almost like a new person in a way. Yeah, well, I literally couldn't move. That was the hardest part, is that the nurses had to physically move me because I couldn't move, so... And I had a nice neck brace on, so my sister had to braid my hair for me. Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't do much of anything, but it was definitely the help of my family and my friends and my boyfriend at the time. That definitely, definitely helped me stay positive. And I, <laughs> I made a lot of, I guess, false promises to myself that I would be able to get back to work and that this was just a little blimp of my life and that in no time I was just going to prove everybody wrong and go back to work and be back to normal and I'll put all this behind me. <laughs> right. I've, I mean, you say that's false promises, but I think maybe that was something that was actually a really good thing for you to almost like, even at the time, even though at the time it seemed pretty crazy and maybe that one thing that actually continued to drive you to get to where you are now, obviously we'll get to like the, the amazing recovery you had, but. For sure. Yeah. Um, my, uh, case manager reminds me of this all the time now is that, so I came home and I thought in my mind that I came home the end of February and I thought in my mind, and I also told my OT and my physio and all that, that by October, 
of that year, I was going to be like, bye guys, this has been fun, but I'm going back to work. See you later. Okay, yep. And that's what keeps you going. You, that's good, good job. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was it that like, that made you think that? Like, were you, were you actually like, like, did you actually truly believe that at that time? I did. I, I honestly did. And I think the fact too that at the hospital, the fact that the doctor came into me afterwards and told me that they were told that I had a five to 10% chance of living when they pulled me out of the car and that I flatlined three times. Oh my gosh. Being airlifted and being at the hospital. And the fact that I overcame all of that, he's like, you overcame the odds. He's like, you shouldn't even be here right now. And I think that really fired me to be like, you know what? I'm going to prove everybody wrong and I'm going to keep doing that. That's amazing. I'm, I'm literally getting chills, like listening to you, to you say that that's, that's amazing. I mean, I obviously like hearing that you have like five, what did you say? Five to 10% chance of, of living. And, and then you, you, you made it through that. It's like walking. Okay, let's do it. Like basically. <laughs> so where are we at? Like timeline wise, like, I feel like we're kind of, we've talked about the hospital, right? Like the initial kind of acute situation. How long was it when you went from there to rehab? So I was in the hospital until I believe it was November 26th of 2015. And then I was, I was told that I was going to go to another hospital, but I thought I was going home. (laughs) False pretense again. So uh, they transferred me to Toronto Rehab, and I was there until January 26th. I was uh, allowed to go home finally. Okay. So you were, and you entered the hospital in October, was it? I was, uh, the accident happened on November 3rd, 2015. So it was that night that I got to Toronto Rehab, or to St. Michael's, I'm sorry. And I went through... Um, two surgeries, two major surgeries. One was, the first one was, I think it was 15 or 15 hours, I believe. I don't even know. Yeah. The second one was two or three days later, and I believe that was like 12 hours or something like that. Okay. And I was told later that the orthopedic told me I was Humpty Dumpty, and he had to put me back together again. Oh my gosh. So, so then... At rehab, like day one rehab, what would you look like at that point? You know, like where were you at? So I was in the ICU at St. Michael's for the two weeks that I was a medically induced coma. And I don't really remember much of that except the, the last night I remember the lady giving me like a sponge bath thing. That's the extent of that. And then I remember being transferred to orthopedic general surgery. And then that's when my memory starts coming back. And I remember the very first time I had physio. And they told me that they were going to just make me just sit up in the bed for the first time. And I remember going, oh, my God, I never thought that getting up from a bed could be so difficult. I had three people helping me, three physios. And just getting up. And when I was finally up, I was like, I got to lie down. I'm going to black out and I'm going to faint. <laughs> yeah. So that, so that was your first experience with physio. Like, I know. How did it – like? Obviously, how did it feel to actually be able to, like, you haven't done anything at this time. How did it feel to actually be able to start to, like, do something? That was the point that when they were getting me up that I was 
kind of, I was really scared because I was like, wow, if I can't even sit up, I don't even want to even imagine how hard everything else is going to be. Huh. Okay. So it was almost like more, more fear for you than like, oh yes, finally I'm actually getting to like move. Okay. And then maybe take us through like how, what was like the extent of your physio experience after that while you're at, um, St. Michael's, like in the, in the, like the acute setting. So again, they would come in for about 20 minute sessions every day and it was just getting me up, sitting me up and just holding me up for a little bit, making sure that I didn't pass out or anything. And then we slowly got to just standing up, um, beside the bed. That was the extent of St. Michael's. And so that itself, that was hard. And then I was transferred to Toronto Rehab. And then that's where they started to, like, we used the transfer board to get me from, I was obviously in the wheelchair, and we used the Hoyer lift to get me from the bed to the wheelchair or wherever I was going. And then physio was just mainly, like, trying to get me to move my leg and everything again. That was, this is a lot. Yeah. Wow. So you were, so you were non-weight bearing in both your legs and then you had yeah, in your arm. Yeah. Okay. And so where, where was your head at? Like when you got to Toronto rehab with regards to like your, um, your prognosis and your progression at that point, right? Like what were you thinking? Like what were they actually telling you too when you got when you got to Toronto Rehab in terms of what they thought you were capable of doing? Was like walking always something that they were trying to get you back to or was that something that they were still like, oh, well, like you may not walk again or? So when I first got there, I was disappointed that I wasn't home. So the first few days I sat there and I was like, I'm not cooperating with any of you. Like, get out of my room. I want nothing to do with anybody. <laughs> and I was probably the worst patient they had. <laughs> and then I had my boyfriend at the time, he came in and he was like, how bad do you want to go home? And I was like, literally, that's my only motivation right now is getting home to my own house, my own bed. Like, that's all I want. And so he kept saying to me, that's the only way I was going to get home was if I participated in the physio and OT and all of that. So then that was when I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And the quicker I do this, the quicker I get myself out of here. So that's when I started to be a willing participant. And um, I, again, I was like, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And they told me, they told me again that I was not going to be able to walk on my own without anything that I would likely have, like I said, a cane or a walker to assist me in walking for the rest of my life. And was that just because of like the neurological injuries that you experienced? The extent of the damage in my leg. Like I had right. um, a big hole on my tibia on the, on the right. And so they had to use, this is another thing, they had to either you get a skin graft to cover the hole, or I had a plastic surgeon come and he decided that we were going to use a back. So I had the back on my leg, and that was on there for a month and a half, I guess, which that was another thing that was extremely stressful, because they had to change the bandages for that every day, and they were ripping off the bandage over the fresh in every day and that was the most painful thing oh, man. Was, like so bad 
Yeah, there's there's two two things I'm kind of thinking in my head is like one, first off, I guess I mean we've had experience in the hospital, right? Like on placement. Um, ne- never, I've never had like working with someone to with that extent of injuries. But something I guess I'm thinking about right now is that I don't think I think at times personally myself, like you don't stop and think about um, maybe how that person, like your experience in the sense, like you want to go home and you just wanted to get home. You didn't want to be there. And like you were obviously refusing and and struggling with that. And like from my perspective as let's say a healthcare professional or a physio, I think sometimes we get so caught up in like seeing a bunch of people and and you're just so used to it that you don't stop and really think about that and Mm -hmm. and focus just on that individual that you're working with at the time. And, and instead of maybe getting like frustrated or, or like, like, focused on other people because you're not getting up to think like, Oh, maybe what's wrong. Like, why is she, why is she like experiencing this? Like, did like maybe asking her, asking you like, Hey, like what's going through your head type thing. And then maybe those questions that like your boyfriend at the time was able to help you with a healthcare professional could like help you with. So I guess for me, it's just like, it's reinforcing the, 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 the idea of like treating the person in front of you um, and trying to like ask questions to figure out maybe what's keeping them from wanting to participate. Definitely. There are a lot of help and there are a lot of mornings, especially the OT. Well, I guess both. They would come in and be like, come on, you know, if you do, if you do this, then you can have uh, ice cream at the end of physio. Like it was very motivational. <laughs> <laughs> was the ice cream truck in the clinic or <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds like a good clinic <laughs> well, i felt really bad afterwards i went back and i told i apologized to them and said i'm so sorry i was such a bad patient because if i had to deal with me i would just be like oh my god what is this person <laughs> <laughs> but it's something like we've talked about before i think it seemed like you had a real goal in mind, right? Like your goal was to get home. I was and so motivated to just go home. And that's all I wanted. And to go back to work to my regular life. So I thought. But I think it's important, like what you're saying is like, you, you always had a goal, but it was a lot like taking that goal and aligning it with like your healthcare professional and why and what steps you needed to take to get there. I think you, like based off what it sounded like, is you had this goal of getting home. I want to walk again. I want to do all these things. But then it wasn't maybe aligning with like realizing that, oh, this is what I need to do to get there. And that's like physio and that's getting up and doing these things. And then once that like clicked for you, then it was like game on. Yeah. Fire under my butt and I was ready to go. Yeah. So maybe take us through like that, the rehab at that point. So now you're on board with it. You're, you're ready to, to engage. What was like the steps going forward after that? And then when did you really start? getting to the point where you're like, okay, I am going to actually walk again and be able to, to do this. So, uh, physio was slow, but at the beginning, she would take me to the wheelchair to the that they had at, the, at on that floor. And it was just trying to get the range of motion back in my ankle and my leg and my, my hip, all of that. Um, the left leg also was not moving the best because of, uh, the surgery that I had on my hip. So she was trying to focus on at least getting the range of motion back in that as quick as possible. And then um, throughout all this, I was going to the orthopedic and just seeing where we're at and all that. And when I was told that I was going to be um, allowed to weight bear again, I was super excited because I knew I was that much closer to going home. 
And then once you got, once you left and you were discharged home, then did you start seeing physio in like an outpatient setting? I did. So actually going back to the hospital at, at um, what was it, Toronto Rehab, when I got weight-bearing, I got weight-bearing in the morning from the doctor, gave me the okay. Literally, I went back the afternoon to uh, Toronto Rehab, and the physio was like, okay, this is it. we got to get you up, like, right now. And I was like, what? I was, I was literally in the bed for, what, two months, and you want me to get up? <laughs> well, I didn't have a choice, and I surprised them all, and I got up right away, and I took my first few steps, and I just started crying because I was like, oh, my God. Take, take, maybe take us through, like, what, what was going through your head, like, then at that time, like, when you finally – like we're able to take take those steps. I was so happy because I was like, at least if I can walk, maybe there is a possibility that I can walk with nothing and be no cane, no anything. And so at that point, I was like, I knew too that since I was weight bearing, I was able to go home shortly. <laughs> yes. And were you using uh, support then? Like, were you using a walker? I had a walker and a lot of help from the physio, like holding my back and whatnot to make sure I was okay and didn't fall over, didn't get lightheaded. Okay. Yeah. And then, so then you're, you're discharged, you go home and then you start doing like outpatient physio. And is that when things started to like progress even farther for you or was it still kind of up in the air, a slow process with like getting you back to um, walking? Uh, it was a slower process again, but just looking back now, even because I, I went to the pool as well, that was another big thing that they got me to do. But that was once uh, the open wound had completely covered. Mm -hmm. And then once we were up and moving, I looked like I was saying, I went from literally from a wheelchair to the walker to crutches to a cane, and now I'm using nothing. So I'm so excited. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. So when, when was it that you f took like those first steps with, with like nothing? Like how long ago was that? Um, so it probably would have been probably June of 2016, I guess it would have been. That I, well, maybe that wasn't nothing. It was a cane. Because I used the cane for a long time in crutches and then slowly leaned off of that. And then the, I started walking and I was finally on my own without any aid. And then I actually had to have another surgery to remove some of the hardware out of my right leg. Mm -hmm. um, February of 2017. So then it was kind of like back to point zero again. But I got back and up, up again. So what, what does everything look like now physically for you? Uh, I walk with a limp. It is what it is. I mean, I look now and I'm like, it was either having no leg or walking with a limp and I'd much rather have a leg. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, it also is dependent on how much activity I do. I, I'm told that I do way too much than I should. I get in trouble when I go to physio and my massage and all that. They are like, Lindsay, when are you going to learn your limits? And I'm like, I, I'm just so motivated and determined to just do everything that I normally used to do that I don't think I don't stop to think and be like oh yeah I'm in pain mm -hmm. I mean I think, 
I think that that drive and that motivation though is probably what got you to even where you are right now. So I, I would say that's probably, you know, I think it's a good thing that you're, you were, you had that mindset because it's very, it's very easy. I'm sure very easy to go in the other direction. Um, so were there some things that like constantly kept you motivated? Like obviously like you had, I'm sure you had some ups and like probably a lot of downs. Like what were some of the strategies or some of the things that you used to like get through those tough times? Because I know there's a, probably people out there listening or other people that might listen to this podcast through that because they know you um, that might just need those that help, you know, like if they're in a place where they feel like they can't move forward. I'm trying to stay as positive as possible. That was a big thing. And I have to thank my healthcare professionals. Everyone has been fantastic. And I 100% wouldn't be where I am without the help of you guys. So thank you, everybody out there. And also just having a goal at the end of the day, knowing that, you know what, I am going to, I guess, get home. That was my biggest goal at first was to get home. And then going back to work, I really, really, really wanted to go back to work. And that was my motivation every day was like, if I can walk, then I can sit at a desk and I can do my work and I'll be able to go back to work and look back and be like, wow, that sucks that part of my life. But here I am. So you almost took that big goal and you just chunked it up into like little pieces. I did. And looking back now, and when, when it was October that when I told you guys, I initially had that goal of October, I was going to go back to work and October came and came and went. And I looked at them and I was like, uh, why am I not working yet? And that was, that was hard because that was when it, again, reality kind of struck like, okay, this is easy as I thought. I'm not going to be able to just look back and be like, see a healthcare team. So, and again, I had to, I guess, reset my mind and just be like, okay, well, what's my next goal? My next goal is being able to go to the mall again and walk around or go with my friends and do activities that I used to do before. And that, that really helped as well. Yeah, I think there's a, those are some big things there. Like, obviously, you had a very big goal, like getting back to work in October and then not meet, not meeting that goal, obviously is difficult but I think at that point you can go one or two ways you can either just that's it like I didn't make it and kind of like worry about that or give up or you can reframe it and I think like hearing you say like you reframed it into like more manageable or more let's just say with your prognosis or at that time that were made more maybe more realistic for you to accomplish um that could like boost your confidence and give you like the motivation to continue working towards that bigger goal that might take a little bit longer. I think that's a, that's very important for people to, to make sure they're doing while they're going along any, any goal in life. Well, don't get me wrong. I had my days. I had a lot of days where I'd get up and I was like, wow, just the fact of having to get up and get dressed was a mission going, why in the world did this happen to me? But then kind of refocusing and going, okay, yes, right. I'm going to do this. And I am going to look back and be like, I overcame that. And I technically, I shouldn't have. And I was, my goal now is to help other people as much as everybody else helped me. And if I can help one person in a recovery, then my second chance at life is 
just that exactly that i think i think what you said too is like it's it's important to know that it's okay to to have like those negative thoughts right like i think something that we've realized is a lot is that like we've it's like society kind of tends to make us be like you can't think negatively but like that's just not realistic like you're gonna get to a point where you're you're gonna have those negative thoughts and that's okay um but then taking steps to come out of those negative thoughts and focus on the little things that can help you move forward i think is very important definitely yeah um so let's maybe talk about Actually, I want, before we move on to like what you're doing now and your in your career and some of the things that you're trying to do to help other people, I kind of want to ask you like what were some what were some qualities um, that that the physios or any of the healthcare professionals that you worked with um, that they demonstrated that that you really thought was important for the success of like your care? Definitely patience. That was a big thing. <laughs> Um, I, like I said, I know I wasn't the easiest patient to get along with, especially the last month of Toronto rehab where I would cry and say, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And the fact that they were so patient with me and didn't give up on me, that was another thing and tried to relate to me as well. That was very helpful. How, how were like, what are some ways that they tried to like relate to you? I'm just curious. Just like age-wise, like for example, my physiotherapist that I had at Toronto Rehab, she was just actually, um, I think she was two years out of physio school as well, and she was just telling me that school and how hard school was, and because we could relate on that, because I was talking about the CPA and how hard that was on me, and how much I wanted to get back to it, and she was like, you will, you will, like physio school was a lot of work, but... I got through it and you will get through this and you'll go back on track and you'll be doing your CPA. And I was like, yeah, right. I will. That definitely helped have people that were my age as well as my occupational therapist. She was also, I think she was maybe, I don't know, 25 at the time too. So having a young team, the same as me, that was good because they were relatable, which was awesome. Right. You really felt connected uh, with those people. Yeah, I think that's, that's important. Cause like we, we talk a lot about like one of the big things that we've um, realized as like new grads um, and just talking to people on the podcast and like kind of seeing a transition in like the physio world into where it's going with like a more of a biopsychosocial approach and like a human centered focused approach is that like that, that therapeutic alliance that we call it, or that, that connection with someone is just so important for like a, for the pro like for the, the potential of, the person that you're working with and we're starting to realize more and more that like that is something that you need we need to focus on as healthcare professionals that's almost a, if not just as important as some of the actual care or like the the treatment plans that that we come up with well just a side note on top of that is i'm actually in school right now and we've been doing a lot of practicals and one practical that we had was somebody that was in a wheelchair and they were gonna they were scared they're gonna be a disappointment to their family and they were never they weren't gonna be able to wait there and all of this and we had to be the healthcare professional and react to this and help them out, right? So we all did our piece and then we were all in the room afterwards talking as like a class and everything. And just sitting back and listening to the students going, This is not even realistic. Like 
who is really that crazy? What patient is that crazy and crying and that emotional? Like, that's not even reality. And I'm sitting there going, you guys have no idea. I was that person and this is 100% realistic. It's a good point you make because I think that's something that like we we don't get enough in, in school as well. Like, it's awesome that you guys even had that experience like with your program. Um, and I think that's something that it's get, it is getting better. And I think it, it's starting to be, people are starting to realize it's important, but like those scenarios are stuff that like happens every single day. They're like, I, I just think back into like clinics so far that I've been working in. Like there's times where I'm like, wow, I did not learn how to deal with this, but here we go. Like, you know, I'm just going to try my best to like sit there and listen and give like, just let the person tell their story and like try to, you know, comment or reinforce or put in my thoughts when I can. Um, but there's some times where like, I'm just sitting there like, wow, I, I, you know, you, you just, you feel a little bit awkward. Cause you're like, I don't know how to really deal with the situation, you know? Um, so I think it's, it's huge. And it's, it's good to hear that. Like, that's something that's being done like within your, within your program. Well, I was just going to say, you know, uh, there's like a few qualities there that are, that seem like, uh, very important. And, and I think that we can relate that to our current jobs, you know, like just focusing on the connection itself between you and that person having, being okay with when, when it's been a long history, uh, just being okay with, with doing a lot of listening and not a lot of doing for a little bit and really focusing on like establishing those goals. I think that's so much more important than maybe we give credit to and hopefully your story and what you've been through can just kind of open some like uh, younger people's minds to that sort of aspect of being a therapist. Uh, I think, I think it's really clear that that's super important from, from what you've kind of described to us. Definitely. It's not just about being a physiotherapist at the end of the day too. I, I laugh at all the people that I have on my rehab team and I say they're part of whatever their profession might be, but they're also part social worker for me because some days you go in there and you're just like, I having a bad day and they have to deal with that first, right? Before they can even get you up to do anything. Right. That's a, that's a good point too, because I think we, we tend to forget about like the therapist in our name and that it's not like, even though we're physical therapists, like a big part is like just taking the time to listen to the person and, and just basically make them feel comfortable because if, if you're not comfortable and you're not focused, like how, how is like me getting you to do like some exercise going to, going to have any benefit for you, you know? So that's a really good point. Um, let's, let's kind of talk about where you're at now. So like, obviously you kind of had a career change. Um, and I know you have plans to do some really awesome stuff. So let's, let's talk about that. All right. So I went back to school actually, uh, to do physio, the OTA PTA program at Conestoga college. And absolutely loving it. It's been awesome. a lot of, it's been really, really great. Um, being able to, my main, my main goal after all this was being able to go and be a healthcare professional myself and help everybody and pay back kind of thing. That was my big thing. And also during the time of the hospital, they all encouraged me to write down my feelings and how I was feeling, if it was a bad day, if it was a good day, whatever. So I did that. And during between when this all happened to now, I've written a book. So that's really exciting. It's just a matter of 
uh, finding a publisher, an editor, all that stuff, and figuring out what I want to do with that. And another goal is I would really love to have a podcast as well and just get my story out there and talk to other people that are in similar situations and talk to their family members and seeing how this has affected family members and talking to healthcare providers on their perspective. Like I want to talk to some of the ones that helped me and really yeah. going, how do you think about me not wanting to move that day? Like what, what's your perspective on this? And getting, getting that whole rounded perspective. Cause that's really helped. I feel like that would help other people for sure. Yeah, I, that, that, that would definitely help other people. And I think it's, it's, a, it's awesome that we're at a time um, in, in the world where you can actually just go out and do something like that with, with, with a lot of ease. Like, you know, you wrote a book, like that's crazy. You know, like you can start a podcast and start talking and reaching people um, and sharing your story like across the world. Like literally you can, you know, and like that's really cool. And I think someone like you – um, just with your motivation and everything you went through and like genuinely tell you really want to help people like you're going to have success with it and you will help people. And, and you even said it yourself, like if you could help one person, then you're, you're doing like what you want to do. I'm excited to, uh, to see what you, what you come up with. Let's talk about the book a little bit. So like you, you wrote the whole book. It's done. Uh, it's done. I mean, Throughout school, I've been going out, or like we've been learning different topics and things, and then things will come back to me and be like, oh yeah, I remember when this happened, and then I'll add to it as I've been going along here. So I've been adding to it slowly as well, but for the most part, I feel like it's pretty much ready to go. That's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. I don't even know how you go about like doing anything. Like you have to find a publisher and an editor, yeah. basically, or? I'll figure all that out whatnot and figure out the process of that and also I guess of the lawsuit I have to figure out too if I'm able to do it now or if I have to wait or so that's another thing that I'm waiting on okay <laughs> well let us know when it comes out and like I want I'm, I'm lining up I'll buy I'll buy a copy for sure um po- podcast wise what's your uh, so are you planning on launching that soon or is it kind of still in, in the works or you're thinking I have a friend that I found out during my recovery. She was actually in a uh, motorcycle accident. And so she has gone through similar things as I have. And we thought it'd be really cool if we could start a podcast and talk both as survivors how yeah. to talk about That's awesome. So we're thinking of like launching it in the spring, but we got to see timeline. Like, got to see together. We got to talk and see where we're at. and. Um, when we re- realistically think it can happen. I think it's a good idea. I think you guys should do it. If you have any, obviously any questions or anything like that, like don't, don't hesitate to reach out to us for sure. We'll definitely give you a hand. And the motivational speaking is another big thing that I'm working on doing as well. So I'm going to be talking with the Ontario Brain Association. Super exciting because of my brain injury that I had. I'm excited about that too. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of great opportunities again to like do something that you really want to do, which is help other people. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, just to kind of wrap up here, I'm just, I just, if you, I'm going to kind of give you the mic a little bit and just maybe if you had a message that you wanted to like get out to, to anyone that's kind of going through a similar experience that you went through, um, maybe you could just offer them some words. I just want to say just, you know what, I, I was in that boat and it 
absolutely sucks and you are not alone. So remember that because that was a big thing for me is you're not alone and that there's other people that are in the same boat, but just stay positive and make small goals for yourself. Even if they seem the most unrealistic at the time and your family and friends look at you like you're crazy, it's not unrealistic and you will get there and like sweat and blood and whatever it's, it's a possibility and just don't give up and positivity can go a long way. And I'm learning that. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing all that, Lindsay. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time and sharing your story. And it's, um, this is like kind of the first little podcast that we did like this and I, it was awesome. And it's just going to motivate us to continue maybe to find some more people that have some stories that they can share. I think getting the perspective, um, from someone that's experienced something like that is, is huge for healthcare professionals, even for the public that's listening to us, students, everything like that. So thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us. Um, thank you guys. Yeah. Is there anywhere that you can like leave for people to, to find more about you? Like I know like your Instagram or like a, an email if they want to reach out, if they have any questions or anything like that, if you want to offer it up, it's up to you. Totally. Give my email. Okay. Is it something that you guys are going to post on Instagram or how do you want me to go about it? Or You can just say your email right now and then we'll put it in the, in the, in the show notes. Okay. So it's Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, Sprout, S-P-R-O-A-T, 88 at gmail.com. Perfect. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And we'll link it up in the show notes for everyone if they want to email and have any questions and reach out to you. And Cool. All right, Lindsay, thanks so much for, for coming on and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Bye. Guys.